You guys, here we are again. We are so <laughs> glad that you could be here. We have a very, very special How guest. And it is going to be, this is probably going to be the funnest episode of Sundays at 7. Guys, uh, this is no joke, okay? No joke. Can I tell you, okay, Kayton, let's just oh. run us down to what our environment looks like in this moment. Give, Give us a rundown. Set the scene? Yeah, set the scene for us. Okay, so it is right now almost 1 a.m., and there's a very lovely diffuser in the corner. We put the diffuser out. Diffusing spearmint, if I'm right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Get closer. There's also some cuties sitting here on the table. Is that mm -hmm. the correct time, or are these tangerines? Cuties, for cuties? sure. Only the best for Sunday. Cutie gang for life. And there's a nice lighting going on in here. The dog is chewing on a bone. <laughs> We're all just... The scene is set for the podcast. <clears throat> we have... Such a great special guest to get today. He is probably one of my most favorite people in the whole entire world. Wow. It is my cousin, Tay Cooney. Woo! Woo! Welcome, Tay. Oh, so um, glad to be here. Seriously, it is going to be so fun. Tay, really quick, uh, maybe kind of give us a rundown of where you are in your life so our listeners kind of know a little bit of background about you. Yes. So I am 24 years old from Marietta, Georgia. Woo! Go dogs. Just kidding. Go dogs. Boo. Graduated from University of Georgia, best school in the country. Oh. And I currently work at Patch City Church, Cumberland. So I get to be the location coordinator there, which is amazing. And I've loved doing that for about four months now. Just came off of Passion Conference, which Caitlin was at. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing three days. Um, but now I'm here in Winchester, Kentucky on Sundays at 7, the best yes. podcast in the country. Can I ask a question? Yeah, absolutely. So can you explain kind of what your job entails? Yes. So location coordinator is a little bit of any and everything, um, but a lot of executing on Sundays, making sure everything gets put up because we're still a mobile church in the high school that we meet at. So we have to load in and load out every Sunday. So I um, have a huge part in that. Um, I also get to put baptizees with their baptizers and kind of help that process, which is exciting. And then since we're a smaller staff, it ends up just being a little bit of a hodgepodge of everything. But those are a couple of my key responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. We actually, we went, keeps we were, it interesting for sure. We were just down in um, Georgia for Christmas and we went to Passion City Church and we got to see Tate at work. That's right. It was, it was amazing. It was a, it was a super fun service. Um, but thank you for being here today. Of course. And, Glad um, to be here. yeah, we're so excited about it. Um, last week, as you all know, we talked about the gang, which is chapter four, right? Chapter four. Chapter four of Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. We are rolling through this book. We are on chapter five tonight. Last, uh, last week, as you all know, we talked about unity and what that looks like. And so we're going to kind of roll, roll right along, like I just said. <laughs> <laughs> and this, let this me chapter, remind you, it's 1 a.m. So <laughs> it goes right along. Bear with us. Out of the last. It time. does. Yeah, we when we were sitting here studying this chapter, we found a lot of similarities, and it, it's like all like kind of seamlessly woven together, which is so cool. I love how this book kind of all ties in together. It's not like 
I don't know, stand alone each chapter. It's all one consecutive thought, so, mm -hmm. which is super cool. Um, but tonight we're on chapter five, like we said, it's called Servants. And, uh, man, this chapter is so convicting. There's a True. lot, a lot of stuff. All of these packages are... What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> All of these chapters are packed full of things that you can learn and things that can help motivate you to want to be a better leader and want to be a better, you know, servant of Jesus. So mm -hmm. one of my favorite quotes, let's just kick it off it. real quick. We are coming in hot with this one too, y'all. Um, <laughs> it is the second page of the chapter. It says, it is no secret that most people who attend church services come as consumers rather than servants. So, like, basically the gist of this chapter is obviously the what the title of it is. It's about, like, servanthood and being selfless and blah, 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 blah. And so, <clears throat> what do you think about, what comes to your mind when you when you hear that we come as consumers and not, not as servants? It's, like, disheartening to me, honestly. What about you, Tate? Yeah, I think that we definitely, as consumers, tend to go into every service or gathering as looking to see what we can receive from the gathering instead of viewing the entire service or worship gathering as an act of worship. And I think something for believers, especially that's a tangible thing to be thinking about during the service that you're in is that part of our act of worship is praying and interceding on behalf of the people that are in the room that don't know the Lord. And so as we're worshiping, as we're listening to the sermon, praying and believing that those words are going to soften people's hearts, that their eyes will be open to hear it. And it's um, a way that we go into the worship gathering and saying, I'm not just going to sit here and take it and take it and take it and I'm going to be praying for somebody else that they're going to be receiving this. Um, so mm -hmm. it's not just focused on what I can get, but how can I be a part of somebody else receiving something and serving them in that way? But Absolutely. Golly. We are coming in hot. Dang. Welcome. <laughs> Sunday at 7. Also, like, believing that. Right. Is part of it. And, like, being, yeah, I love the word expecting. Mm -hmm. like being expected. I was just about to say that. That's definitely, from listening to the other weeks, seems to be a theme for y'all is expecting something to happen and expecting God to move. And uh, it's definitely something that I think we lack a lot of in our churches today, um, which is a bummer. Yeah, for sure. And I think that there is, like, we can go back to there is a fine line between, I mean, if you are new to a church, obviously, like, you are not expected to be as involved at that church as you are if you've been coming for, you know, multiple years. And right know deep down in your heart that you are called to serve your call everyone it talks in here how everyone has been given a gift and like i'm there are a lot of people who don't tap into those gifts right. maybe they aren't confident enough maybe they're not you know we've talked about this before we talked about this a couple chapters ago um there is a verse in here which i love because it goes back to the unity thing that we talked about in the last chapter it's in philippians it it says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Count others more significant than yourself. A passage that is, a passage that is full of just things that God tells us to do while also 
like special gifts or whatever while also keeping us in the same mind unified together as the church but we all have different gifts you know it takes all of us absolutely right it goes back to how we are the body of christ and we each might be a different part of the body but it takes the body to do the body's work totally so not only do we have like each of us have specific gifts that we're given but we're also like each specifically called to serve right i think feel like sometimes those are like like simultaneous together like our gifts are sometimes the way that in which we can serve mm-hmm. yep <clears throat> i love this part right here on page 87 it says imagine gathering with a group of people who were trying to outserve one another can you all imagine how that would would be i feel like i'm not sure that i've like been in an environment like that i mean i remember yeah. one time i went to like pack meals for haiti have you ever done that yeah and, like, everyone is, like, I mean, it's, like, there's not one person just standing there doing nothing. Like, everyone is serving. Everyone is. And it's, like, such a unifying experience where we're all working together towards the same goal. And it levels the playing field, too. Yeah, like absolutely. You all different backgrounds. It doesn't matter yep. where you come And you're from. not thinking that you're better than anyone. You're all just doing a job because you want to serve Jesus together. And there's something so powerful in that that I think a lot of us miss sometimes. Yeah, and I think he talks about it later in the chapter, but those people that are serving the most in that way are the most joyful people that you'll ever meet. Which yeah. is amazing. Definitely. Because they're so focused outwardly. Right. It's not a, you know, we talked about this before. We live in a culture these days where we are almost like taught to like look at ourselves and look inside of who we are and individualistic and we can do this on our own and we can do this, blah, 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 blah. But we're missing the fact that we are called to serve other people. Right. And so we're, our perspective is... Yeah, and anytime I feel like you jump in to serve like that, it is a active act of faith that God is going to move through you serving and move through the people that you're serving um, and that they're going to be blessed by that. So it's just such an easy way to live out faith and brings you in this constant communion with the Father because you are constantly relying on him and Mm -hmm. i think like you said our natural tendency as humans is to look at ourselves and so anytime that we're serving other people um or loving other people in that way it's us that's not from us it's not our natural inclination so it's just a resemblance of the spirit in us working Mm -hmm. um which is awesome yeah absolutely i feel like if you're like kind of struggling maybe to find your place in your church or you don't really like know where to start getting involved or all of those things like serving just finding a place to serve like mm-hmm. would be the a really great place to start and get yourself you know at your faith being active and i like what it said what he says here if you think that sitting back and letting the church stuff feed you will bring you the most fulfillment you are so wrong so that kind of goes back to that whole self me myself and i mindset which i feel like is a theme throughout this whole book and a theme yeah that we all need to be reminded of every single day. Um, but that, cause that's the darkest prison in my opinion is being consumed with yourself. Mm-hmm. So. And, it, and it goes back to like just taking the step to serve, you know, like you could sit idle forever. Like, Oh, I need to find the perfect place to do it, you know, but like God is going to work when you're continually moving, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, even if you start with something small, like, I mean, I don't know. Greeting people as they come in the church building, that's a way to serve. Or, I mean, like, the way I started serving at Calvary was working in the nursery. I literally rocked 
the six-month-old babies, you know, while their mothers and fathers could go into the church service and actually, you know, worship. And just, like, little things like that. There are so many ways that, you know, the church needs help. And there's so many ways that you can serve. So finding that way, just taking that bold step to do it and finding that way. Yeah, and I think a trap that we fall into is believing that there's only a couple ways to serve instead of believing that everybody can serve in their own unique way. And each way, like we were talking about, everybody's a different member of the body, but each one is just as important as the other. Mm-hmm. And Caitlin was mentioning mm-hmm. earlier that everybody thinks, well, I need to be a worship leader or I need to be able to learn how to speak or whatever to have an impact in the kingdom, which is so not true. Um, but there's so many other ways that people can serve the church and build the church. And I love this verse. Um, it's Acts 9.31. And Acts 9 is where Saul is converted to Paul. And he immediately begins preaching and building churches and becoming a missionary and doing all these things. And then in Acts 9.31, it says, So the churches in Judea, Samaria, and Galilee were being were at peace and being built up walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And what I love about that verse is that it doesn't say that Paul was preaching really well and the church multiplied. Mm-hmm. But it says that people were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and multiplied. So the idea of multiplication of the church is so not based on people's gifts. It's based on their hearts and the power of Paul's preaching. Yes, he was a great preacher, but it was the heart of the man Mm. um, that had the most impact. And so I think for us, building the church and building the people of the church is focusing less on their gifts and more on the heart of the people behind the gifts. We should end the podcast there. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. That was so good. Gosh, that is so true, though, because even you can even get like we're talking about spiritual gifts, but you can even get bogged down in that, too. Like, I need to serve, 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 but like, where are your intentions? Right. Don't you think like just showing up is a form of serving? I think so. Yeah. Just showing up and being willing to do anything yeah, yeah. Form, like if you don't know what else to do just show up and like yeah that, that in itself is a form of serving i think yeah and i think something that anybody can do we all have the ability and we all have the access is to pray and so it's like if you show up there's immediately one thing you can be doing and yeah it's praying for the people that are leading for the people that are receiving um and i think our lack of doing that shows for sure a lack of faith um, yes. and the mm-hmm. power of prayer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I said this earlier before we started this, but I feel like that um, this whole thing where people feel like they have to have this you know, amazing gift in order to serve in the church is part of the reason why I feel like a lot of people fall away from the faith or don't you know, fall away from the church is they don't feel like they have a place. Mm-hmm. And so when people feel like they have a place and when they have buy-in in the place is when they stay and when they feel invested. Mm-hmm. And so, like, figuring out where your place is and that's that's what's going to make you stay and what's going to yeah. keep you coming back, you know? Yeah, definitely. Macy is chewing the dog. He's <laughs> chewing it aggressively, too. Golly, I love I love that you said that though because I think it it shows like people 
see, I, I'm a huge advocate, and I know I've said this a hundred times, that people will see Jesus in us, and they will look at our actions before they, like, listen to what comes out of our mouth. I feel like you, if you're going to talk the talk, the walk is the most important. Like, you got to walk the walk for sure, because if you say one thing with your mouth and you're doing the opposite, then your words are no longer valid, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like that is a huge, like, way to show Jesus, obviously, is to serve. And the it's so important because it's a physical thing that you are doing. It is an action that you are doing. It's not just your mouth. You're living it out with your, like what you're like choosing to serve or, you know, and I think it's, I don't know. I think that's so important to live. It says we don't have to, we don't have to say it with our lips. If our actions scream it, like do our actions scream Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. people look at what we do. Is that screaming Jesus? Yeah. And if it doesn't, like, I like what he says in the previous page. It talks about how, like, when you have a church full of people who, you know, haven't really taken on that that hat of servanthood quite yet, it's the church kind of seems, like, mechanical or mm-hmm. kind of sterile. You know, there's there's something, um, there's, there's no life in the church where no one is serving, has that servant attitude, you know? Yeah. And I really like that because how many times have you like, this sounds so bad, but like gone into church and it feels like going through the motion or like an obligation or like Mm -hmm. it's sterile. And if you feel that way, I feel like serving is such a good way to get out of that funk. Yeah. Such a good way to to send yourself out of that going through the motions. This is just like something I do every week. If you feel that way, and I felt that way in my face several times, Mm -hmm. that's something we all experience, you know. But I feel like if you jump into service is when you get yourself out of that slump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, like you're saying, when you jump in to serve with people, it's like you are in the fight with people. And we were talking about earlier the Christian life being like a battle. And when you're in the fight with somebody and you go through pain with people and you serve together, you feel this closeness and you Mm -hmm. and that's the way to feel bought in to the church. And... Um, I just think it's huge for us to look at it that way. And Tommy was talking a lot about that earlier. And if you've never had a chance to talk to Tommy, he's amazing. So you should all <laughs> oh, talk to Tommy. He's a very wise, he is, wise he is. individual. He's, very, he's a very background individual, but yes. he has a lot to share for sure. Totally. But all that to say, I think jumping in to serve with people helps you feel unified with the rest of the, the church and the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we talked a lot about like, like our faith, like producing or bearing fruit or producing fruit. And, you know, it's that, um, that chapter in John that talks about, you know, remain in me and I remain in you and you have to stay connected to the vine in order to to produce the fruit. And like, what do you think the, like, what do you think producing fruit looks like? I think for me for a long time. And it kind of ended up stressing me out, but I haven't thought a lot about this. I'm about to just go for it. Do it. Um, <laughs> I think for me, it used to stress me out because I used to think the only way to produce fruit and the only fruit that we should be worried about is, are we leading people to Christ? And mm-hmm. if I'm not doing that, then I'm not really following the Lord. And I think that sharing the gospel with people and evangelizing is a huge part of what we do and should be a huge part of what we do and is an amazing way to bear fruit in that way. But I think, or the more that I thought about it, I began to realize that 
that is one way, but it's not the only way to produce fruit. And we're told in Galatians what the fruits of the Spirit are. And so I was reading through those verses, and it's like, if a believer is becoming more patient, more joyful, has more peace, more self-control, then that believer is producing a lot of fruit. And so I think for us, it's laid out pretty clearly what the fruit we should be producing is. And it's those kind of attributes that only come from the Spirit. So. Yeah. I agree with that for sure. What do you think, k Um, I agree with what he said. Totally. And I also, like, just kind of trying to give a different answer. I think... Read the question again. It's what does, like, producing fruit look like? I feel like it's... It's having a desire, I have this thing, I've been on this kick again, about like having a desire for God. I feel like that's, that's a fruit in mm-hmm. itself. Like we're not just focused on, you know, all the actions and the tangible things, but mm-hmm. like there's a force behind it and that is the desire to be with God and to be more like God. And like if we don't have that desire, yeah. then our fruit is kind of just going to die. You know what I mean? It's not going to have like a... Um, a, a well of of water right, that's right, right. producing, you know. So if we don't have that desire, then our then our tree will die. And I yeah. think that's what keeps the tree alive is desiring God and and actually like it's not like kind of like what we were talking about before. It's not just an obligation or something that we go through the motions. It's right. Like something we're on fire for and we're chasing after. Like yeah. if you strip everything away, strip away the church, strip away the people, strip away all this, and it's just you and God. Mm-hmm. Like what does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, and if, if I feel like, like you said, you can get so lost in all the motions and all this stuff. And like, are you, you're like, you're, you're at the church and you're doing all this stuff, but like, it's not for God anymore. It's for you. And then that's when it turns into something not good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I feel like a lot of times, um, like people think that they might be producing fruit and they're not. And so, like, what like what do you think that they are producing? I like when he says this quote. <clears throat> he says... The quote queen. Quote queen! I heard that last week. Oh, I love it's it. It's amazing. <laughs> week after week, the same faces show up with little to no change in their lives. Insanely, we just keep doing the same thing, hoping it will yield different results. And I, I think that's... My mom has told me this one time, but isn't that the definition of insanity is when you keep doing the same things? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like that's a lot of times what our what our churches do. And he also just talks about how growth is expected. And, like, if we are people of God, you know, serving, like, growth as a church, but also individually as individual, you know, sons and daughters are supposed to grow. And if there's no fruit, then... Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need to change something. And I think another huge thing about leadership is not only, like Tate said in the very beginning, like reaching the people who don't know Jesus, but it's about building the people up who do. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so important. And that is such a huge role of the church. Is And like I love this place right here. It says, at the end of the day, it's about what we produce. We can get so focused on getting people through our doors that we don't think about what goes out. And one of our huge mission is to build those people up and that's a huge like mission that i don't know kate and i specifically have with our small group of sophomore girls like and we talked about it on wednesday we were like our job as leaders is to equip you and to give you resources so that 
you can go out and reach those people, but you believe in Jesus and you come to small group and we need to build you up so that you can go out. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully those people will come in and we'll build them up to go send them out. And it is a process that we need to continue. Yeah. And this A.W. Tozer, Tozer quote that he mentions here, I love and speaks to this, but it says, Our most pressing obligation today is to do all in our power to obtain a revival that will result in a reformed, revitalized, purified church. It is of far greater importance that we have better Christians than we have more of them. Ooh. I love that he says that, and kind of like you were saying, it's not just about getting people in the door. The fruit is not oh, we had a 1,000 people at church today instead of 800. Yeah. The fruit is the people that came walking out looking more like Jesus and more like saints. Um, but we focus far more on numbers a lot wow. of times, Why do you unfortunately. think that is? Why I think because that? it's easier to track. It's easier to say we're successful because we have a 1,000 people, yeah. not 800 people more so than it's easy to say that person had more peace today and had more self-control today. And you can't track success as easy. Oh, so man. looking at numbers is just easier. One of my favorite one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible was Luke chapter 15, the story of the um, lost sheep, the parable of the lost sheep. And the very end of that, it says there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't. Mm-hmm. Man, that thing hits home for me. Love it. Just because it's, like you said, we just count it by numbers. and In our culture, just in general, it's all about the image anyway. It's like, mm-hmm. how are you, what does your image look like? And so that also like reflects onto the church. Like what does the church image look like? If your church is busting out the scenes with all these people, then it looks good. Yeah. You know right. I mean, and that's what we're all about. We all want to look good. Yeah. Physically yeah. and all that. <coughs> it, the problems of culture obviously bleed onto the church. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's kind of what this book is about. So. Yeah, and it's like becoming. Well, it's like this book is bringing to light some of that stuff too. Like I didn't really like think about that. That mm-hmm. you know, we do actually live in a culture now where we do those people do come to church, and we're having they does bleed into the church, and we're having to kind of figure out a new. Our mission is not changing, but our methods are having to because we're dealing with a new generation of people that mm-hmm. are coming into the church building. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think, too, it's easy to also go so far the other way that you hate big churches or whatever. And it's not that numbers are bad or big churches are bad. It's the motives behind why you want a big church. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like we want people in the doors because we want them to experience what Jesus is doing in this church or in this place, which is amazing. And if that's your pure motives then that's a huge win because then you're inviting people into what God's doing, but it's not okay when you're only measuring numbers and all you care about is numbers. Yeah. And we are successful because we have a big church. It's rather, there's a lot of people coming in to experience what God's doing and that's amazing. And each number is a person who's walking through the doors that's about to experience something that maybe they've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that numbers are bad, but <clears throat> right. it is when you skew why you want them mm-hmm. and your motive behind it. Yeah. We talk a lot on this podcast about intentions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like kind of what you were talking about. Like such a sweet thing is like, of course, everything comes to light in its own time. But like we don't obviously know everyone's intentions. So that's not my job to judge your intentions like it's not my job to judge mega churches like i don't know their intentions right. you know mm-hmm. i mean that's not my job and that's what's so sweet about it is you know like all of the the church is just 
our view should just be pursuing Christ. And like, mm-hmm. if that means we have 10 people in a house or if that means we have 10,000 people in a huge stadium, like that's not my place to judge. But as long as our intentions are pure. Right. Right. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> we've, been, right. we've been having to work on Katen. Katen will start talking and get further and further away from the microphone. And I'm like all the way back here. And so we've if been, I look at myself, the line gets so Yeah, small. yeah, on the On the little app that we use to record our podcast, it tells you how loud you are. Like oh, wow, by like cool. how big it is or like how small it is. And so I've turned this around so that she can see when she's talking how small it is so she can get closer to the mic. It's amazing. Um, I think a huge theme of this chapter is basically modeling the moment. So, like, what are you... Like, you can talk all you want to, but what are you doing? Like, what are your actions telling the people that come into the church building? Mm -hmm. And, oh, my gosh, I love the story that he shared about his wife. Um, He said that she went to the gym and was doing this aerobics class, and she came back, and he said, how was it? And she was like, well, it was okay, but come to find out that um, her, what's it called? Her, the person that teaches, instructor, yeah, yeah, was... um, she was obese and she said it was hard to be motivated by that she said she wasn't trying to be mean she was just used to having an instructor who made her envious and it talks about how this is how they sell fitness machines and stuff they put chiseled people on those commercials and so that you'll look at that and be like hey i want to be just like that person i'm gonna buy that machine and then it goes down to say he says it's awesome thing he says when i read about the apostle paul i'm challenged to become like him when i read of his longing for christ perseverance through suffering and love for people it stirs me i want to look like him i want his peace like paul i want to come to the end of my life and know i didn't waste it it's his example not his words that move me yeah and that is so huge yeah that is so huge for me mm-hmm. i think it we are all in positions in ministry where we have people watching us mm-hmm. i feel like and it is a very even when you don't think they are even when you don't think they are <laughs> and it is a lot of pressure and and, and not just i'm not like being selfish like people are watching me you know but like we do lead a small group together mm-hmm. and like Tate does. He, I mean, he has all kinds of people watching him at Passion City. And um, I think it, it's just so important to lead by example. It's so important to understand that that we, this quote right here, I just looked at it. It said, we expect people to be captivated by our speech when our lifestyles are not that compelling. It's so mm-hmm. important that we are modeling that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, that that word moment I think is very important because, like, it's on a day-by-day Thing that we have to check ourselves mm. with that is mm-hmm. literally by the moment like it's so our feelings are so fleeting that like we have to check ourselves moment by moment and constantly like be on guard with that yeah kind of thing checking ourselves it's not a day by day thing it's like literally moment mm-hmm. by moment. yeah we would never want to like model it in such a different way that we're giving people a wrong view of how jesus wants us to be mm-hmm. we would always want to to strive to be exactly how he, you know, tells us to be in the Bible. Yeah. It's so important that we're not giving people a lower view of God. Yes. Talks about that here. I love it. Yeah. I think one of the biggest ways, and I love that it's been a theme of this podcast the whole time, but the word expectant is so key. And I think it's one of the best ways we can model our faith is, and it can change the culture of a Sunday morning 
when people are so bought in and believing and have faith that God is about to move in that gathering and in that service. And it's one of my favorite things about working at Pesha City that I think everybody does a great job of is setting the tone in the gathering to say, every time that we meet and every time that we gather together in a room, we expect that God is about to move and we expect that people are about to be brought from death to life. And how could I walk in lackadaisically into a Sunday when I believe that the power of God is about to move? And so I just think yeah, that seriously. I think that young people, high schoolers, middle schoolers, when they see us, because that is such a tangible way to say that person has a lot of faith and models that faith um, because you can tell that they believe in a big God. And I think Louis Giglio, the pastor at Passion City does a great job of modeling what it looks like to serve a really, really big God and believe that he can do immeasurably more and more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so I just think that expecting something big every Sunday is such a huge way for us to model our faith and to be doers of the word and active participants, like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. like praying during the gathering. I'm not just listening. I'm not just singing. I am doing those things, but I'm also praying and believing um, that God's about to move. So, yes. I feel like sometimes we wait, like for those, for that type of like, I don't know, mindset. I guess for like a conference or mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I only think God is big when I go to Passion, or I only think God is big Specific when I go to environment. Yeah, like right. who's to say that God isn't going to show up in a huge way and do a and do a miracle on just a regular Sunday, like this upcoming Sunday. Like, mm-hmm. why don't we treat every Sunday like we treat conferences and retreats and trips and stuff like that? Like, I even do that personally. Like, oh, I can't wait for this trip because I know God's going to show up. Mm-hmm. But God's going to show up on Sunday and every day. You know? Yeah. I don't, why don't I think that? Right. Yeah. And even outside of a Sunday, every conversation you have with a non-believer, whether it's with your high school girls that you're leading, every small group that you have, every Bible study, it's like, man, if we treated every conversation with a non-believer, praying for an opportunity to share the gospel with them, believing that if we did, that the power of the Spirit would speak through us, I think it would change a lot about the way that we live out our daily lives. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just a moment-by-moment thing, like you said. Moment-by-moment, we are expecting that the Holy Spirit is going to come. Just like moment-by-moment, we are modeling that Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. It's so important. It's not just a... Your mom talks about it all the time, Katen, how it's not like, oh, you know, I surrendered to Jesus, you know, back in February of 2001. Like, no. You surrender to Jesus every single moment of your life because that's Mm -hmm. what you're called to do. And it kind of goes back to the, like, like you were saying, like, you can't just be expectant of the Holy Spirit. You can, but you also have to put yourself in like, I'm studying the word every day. I'm reading yep. the gospel. Like you don't know what Jesus looks like unless you read his word. You don't know Let's what God go. sounds like unless you so study true. what he says in the Bible. So you have to put yourself in that. And like, you have to do that work yourself, you know, before you, you can't just go in and be like, Oh, well the spirit didn't show up today. Like, well, did you read your Bible this week? Mm -hmm. Do you know what God's voice sounds like? Like he's maybe talking to you, but you Mm -hmm. don't know what it sounds like. So you can't hear it. Yeah. Like it's, man, I can get so fired up about that. Love that. (laughs) But I just, this, this chapter all, I mean, every chapter I feel like at the very end is just like, we could literally talk forever about anything. Yeah. Because there's so much good stuff. I love like you said, he's Lord of every moment. And there's this quote, I can't remember who said it, maybe it's Carl, Carl Lentz, 
You know what I'm about to say? No, but I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he said, he's, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Because Ooh. for him to be the Lord of something, he has to be the Lord of everything and have ownership over everything in your life. And I think, and Ben Stewart actually preached a message last Sunday that was also amazing. We love Ben here at ben Sundays Stewart, at 7. listen. He's a legend. He is probably one of my favorite pastors of all time. Shout out to Ben Stewart yeah. if you're going to listen to this one day. You should for sure go listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but what he was talking about is that probably everybody that you uh, – would meet in a church would say i believe that jesus died and rose again and redeemed me and saved me and resurrected from the dead and i am resurrected because of my faith in him and i will one day live in eternity because i believe in him and he has that power but those same people even though they would say that he is the savior of their life and the redeemer of their soul if you asked them, well, do you trust him with your finances? They would say, oh, well, I don't know. That's kind of some outdated stuff mm-hmm. in the Bible. I don't know if they really know what it's like to live in 2020. Or do you trust him with your relationship? Oh, I don't know if he knows what it's like to date in 2020. But it's like, if you trust him with your soul and his ability and power to redeem it, he surely can handle your relationships, surely can handle your finances or whatever issues are going on Mm -hmm. but we have a way harder time giving those things over but Mm -hmm. we're very quick to be like oh yeah he saved me Mm -hmm. he saved me from my sin and it's like we detach it yeah we detach it so easily but at the end of the day he is lord over all of those things Mm -hmm. yes and jesus intends the holy spirit for a certain way in our lives like he intends us to experience that in a specific way and it says in this book that only when we become servants will we experience that And I think that that's so important. Only then will the church resemble the Christ that they worship. Yeah. Bringing it back around to servanthood. Yeah. And I feel like, like all these things that we're talking about, like, in like in order to experience those things, you know, like servanthood is such a good way to start, and such a Mm -hmm. good way to like see faith in action, like we've said over and over again. And like this has even convicted me, like finding also like new ways to serve and new and new um maybe new areas of the church that I haven't that I haven't ever served in before. Yeah. And I think that also like you can serve, but I just the one of my main takeaways from this podcast is are you serving with a grateful heart and a joyful heart? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes sir you can get bogged down by service like, oh like I have to be at church at nine AM, you know, but like no you get to be at church at nine AM because you get to serve these people that mm-hmm you know, love Jesus just as much as you do. Yep. And so you can, your your perspective needs to be switched. If you're going to serve, serving with a joyful and grateful heart, and that's when you learn the most from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anyone, anyone else have any other main takeaways? No, that's good stuff. Brought it home. Yeah. Gosh, this, Tate, can you come every week? That was so good. <laughs> Y'all are so good. Y'all crush this every week. It's amazing. Um, just as a final thought, though, If you are not serving in your church, find a way to serve. Find a small way to serve. There are plenty of places, I'm sure, that need help. Or or finding a way to serve in your community, too. Just show up. Yeah. That's a good way to start. There are plenty of things in the community that need help. Plenty of places that, you know, feed people that need extra hands to put some stuff together. Yep. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And when you show up, show up expectantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
When you show up, spirit's gonna show up. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. Sorry that oh, we sound a little groggy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's currently 1.30 a.m. <laughs> no, I think this is our time. I know. I'm actually feeling yeah, good about this. I think we're going to do this every every s- Friday or Saturday. It is a... I think you have to drive up in Georgia every... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deal. Saturday morning at 1 a.m. Yeah, deal. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Um, thank you so much, Tate, for joining us. Of course. And thank you all for having me. Yeah, for sure. To be here. If anyone has any questions for Tate... Um, you can reach out to us and we will get those to him and we will get those answers for you. Let's and go. Um, he lives a cool life down there in Marietta, Georgia. <laughs> um, but thank you all for joining us. Um, we are so always so happy and so grateful to be here and so grateful for the people that listen. Um, so we will catch you next week on Sundays, Sundays at, at 7. 7. Bye, guys.